Professional Step That Show. I'm your host, Franco Zavala. Thank you very much for joining me. This is episode 134. Today's episode is going to be um, um, an episode that I did where I was asked to be a guest on the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. Uh, Jamie was an incredible host. She had awesome questions. Um, everything just prepared perfectly. And the episode is really just a conversation between a stepmom and a stepdad about what we believe, what we don't believe, some tactics some routines and some ideas that we'd like to share with um, other step-parents who are going through similar journeys that um, Jamie and I went through. This Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast and website and social media accounts, everything, any place and anywhere where you can find her show and information about her will be posted uh, throughout the episode on YouTube and um, it'll be you know, within the comments um, and the information section about this episode on all Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. But Jamie was an incredible host. Her show is a very fun show to be on. I was so humbled and grateful to be on her show. Um, so this is just a conversation between two step parents about what it means to be a step parent in today's world. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Franco, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on this morning. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited too, because I get emails from people all the time from stepmoms who are married to a stepdad because they have like the true blended family, right? And they're like, do you have any resources for stepdads? And I'm always like, actually, I have no idea. I, I didn't know there was anyone doing this. And for the longest time, I had been looking for a resource to give stepmoms. And I think, I don't know if I found you on Instagram or TikTok or what, but I was like, whoa, how did I miss this? Well, you know why? It's because um, generally men don't ask for help. So, you know, myself true. included. So when I just began to talk about this scenario, I didn't even talk about this until I was like 10 years in. Um, yeah. Well, I would love to hear about your story before we dive in because I have so many things I want to ask you. But can you tell me a bit about your family, how you started doing this? Just give us the lowdown. Of course. So, um... My wife and I have known each other since we were six. We lived seven houses down from each other our whole life. Um, after high school, I joined the army and um, I was gone for about 12, 12 years. And in that time, she had five beautiful children. When I finally made it back to Arizona, um, her husband had passed away from a heart attack suddenly in his office um, right after their, uh, their son was born. He was about four months old. So me being one of her best friends our whole life, I, of course, wanted to be there for her started helping out. And one day we went to dinner, dinner turned into dancing. Dancing is a huge part of our life, by the way. Um, and then dancing turned into a kiss and I never left. Been here ever since. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how old are the kids? So I've got four, four beautiful girls. Um, my oldest daughter's married. She's 20 now. Um, my second oldest daughter, Emma is in college as well. She is now 19. And I have a daughter who's a senior in high school. She's 17. I have another daughter that just became a freshman in high school and she just got on the cheer team. And then my son just turned 13 years old. Wow. So you were like in the trenches of like teenager, young adult. Oh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, when I came into my son's life, right. And I always use my son as a reference point because he was the youngest. And so kind of like how I progressed up through there, but he had just turned six, six and a half months, seven months old. Um, 
and mind you, I was just there in mostly spirit, right? I mean, I was just trying to be the, one of the best friends helping out. Like your husband just passed away. Let me watch the kids. I'll help out make dinner. Like, you know, the little things that you want to do. And little did I know by doing that was I was just planting these seeds of like, man, I don't want to leave type stuff. Like I was having too much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, and so how did this all progress then when you realized, okay, um, being a stepdad, there needs to be support out there. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of unknown struggles. There's a lot of right. maybe stigma, all the things. How did you start doing what you're doing? Okay. So, um, I've, I've, I've kind of jumped around in careers from, from, from the, after the military, I, I was, you know, in mortgages and then I became a public speaker for a while. And I, I used to speak on stage with this gentleman who just recently passed away. His name was Bob Proctor. And I spoke with, on stage with Bob for a few years in Canada and, um, and with his business partner, Paul Martinelli in the West or in the East coast in West Palm beach. And so I, I learned that in early, in my, in my later years as a man, but I learned about the professional development and growth industry. So when I came into my family and when I decided to stay and I decided to, to really be the leader and the mentor and to try to be the very best I could be, I implemented all of that. And, um, about 10 years in, after kind of mixing both of them together, I realized that I had a really, I had a lot of great information that I could share. I just didn't have a platform to do it on. So then I started kind of like yourself, started to research stepdads. I started to research, um, blended families, but I looked up all the key phrases and words. And what I found was a lot of the kind of the same stuff, which was the four pillars of this, the five steps to that, the 10, you know, the 10 stages of this, but no one really kind of sharing, Hey, this is where I screwed up. And then how I fixed it. Let me tell you how. So, um, I, I sat down one day and I told my wife about it. She goes, just record one episode, see how it sounds. And I did. And I think I, right before I got on here, I just recorded my 125th episode. That's so exciting. Yeah. So you just, well, because a podcast is no joke. I think people think you just have to like sit down and record, but there's so much that happens behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so congratulations. It's a lot of episodes. I want to go back because you were saying no one was talking about where they screwed up. So where does you screw up? Oh, because I screwed up a lot too. Let's. <laughs> I screwed up all over the place. Well, the original seat. So, um, you know, my generation of, of, Growing up with men, like I said, we don't ask for help. We 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 don't show vulnerability, and you know, I, I've always been an emotional character, right? So I used to, I, used to, I sometimes tell my you know, when somebody asks me, tell me about yourself. I say that I'm a a bunny in gangster clothing. It means that like you know, I've got tattoos. I'm a pretty big guy, and if you see me in like a tank top in the middle of the night walking down the street, chances are you're gonna probably go to the other side. But if you get to know me, you know that like I try at Titanic in the notebook and I'm like a big softie. So <laughs> with growing up with that sense, I realized that um, I, I needed to be honest, right? I needed to be honest with the men out there who, who are asking for help in their head or they're asking for help from their friend groups um, or seeking out like different groups on Facebook and stuff. But I needed to be honest with like the process of, okay, listen, you cannot just dive in and ex- expect to <clears throat> run the house with like leadership and authority because that's not how it works. You know, you got to earn your spot in the house and they got to learn to trust you. and You got to understand communication. And there were so many different things that I learned from the army in life that my screw ups, especially, you know, with like my daughter, Emma, 
instead of listening to her, I decided to argue with her all the time. My daughter, Clara, she's really combative with me when she was younger. And I always took it personal, like it was somehow my fault or somehow something I was doing. When in reality, it was, it was simply just not understanding how to communicate with one another. Um, I'd have to say communication is probably my biggest downfall when it comes to my stepdad journey. Um, mainly because I thought I had to solve everyone's problems. And in reality, I, I should have just been listening. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about the, we were talking before we pressed record. Well, there's two things here. The script you wrote for a movie about your experience. Um, I want to hear about that story, yeah. but to start, tell us about how that all started because that's something that a lot of, you know, stepmoms and stepdads can relate to. And it started with basically your stepchild saying, I don't have to listen to you. You're not my dad. Right. That's so you're not my real dad. You're not my real mom. I think that uh, Hollywood and books and social media and our world has done a really great job portraying us as the, um, as, as not necessarily evil, but as, as somebody that is not necessarily wanted. I know for me, my, my version of a stepdad or a stepmom in my life growing up was somebody that was an alcoholic, somebody that was beat you, you know, you name it. So my daughter, Emma, <clears throat> again, she's really strong headed. It's funny because she's nothing like that now. She's so sweet, but she was arguing with me and I decided instead of listening to her because she was just trying to communicate with me, I decided to lash out to her. She listened and she looked right into my eyes. I mean, like that kind of look that you can look through somebody's soul and, and said, you can't talk to me like that. You're not my real dad. And just walks away. And my first initial reaction was to, to get angry, to get upset. But instead, I just sat down and I started writing this story about a, a veteran, a, a, um, a man that kind of grew up a certain way that is doing his very best to try to just be there for his daughter, Emma. And, and I know she loves dance and, and, and in light dance is her life. So I wanted to just, I wanted to tell him a story for him because again, at the age, at that age, reading like a, a, a nonfiction book for her, I mean, that's a personal growth book wouldn't work for her. So I had to tell it in a way that she could read it almost like, like a kid's book, a story. And I only wanted it to be like 50 pages tops. And I was going to do like illustrations and stuff. And, um, it ended up being like 146, 147 total pages. And when I told it to a friend of mine, he said, well, can I read it? And I said, sure. So I sent it to him and he loved it. And he goes, well, then this could be a movie. I go, oh yeah, it could be a movie. Yeah, Cause we're, we're just movie makers now. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, would you mind if I send it to an, a friend of mine so he can kind of just clean it up? I go, yeah, I mean, I don't care. If you think, if you think you can make it better, sure. So they cut it to like 110 pages and sent it back to me and I read it. And I'm like, oh, so, and when I read it, I read it listening to movie scores so I could kind of put like this title track behind it in my head. And, um, you know, a few years later, after like four or five people read it, three or four different meetings, I find myself in Los Angeles with like actors like Marie McCormick from, from, um, Brady Bunch and Shane Harper from Good Luck Charlie and God's Not Dead and, and Catherine McCormick from Step Up. And we're all on set making this movie about Emma. And here's the cool thing. I don't think I told you this before. The really cool thing is Emma got to see this movie be made about Emma. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. So 
what was her reaction to hearing this story? Like, how did you take your relationship from, you know, that point where she was like, I don't have to listen to you. Like, don't talk to me like that to, you know, developing that bond worth of like trust and becoming her dad and, and her seeing you as that figure as well. Right. So I think, well, for me, when, once she saw the movie being made, you know, obviously she's still a kid. She's a preteen, you know, going into her teenage years. So it was more significant to me and the process to me, I understand the, the deeper meaning and value of the film to her. Catherine McCormick was her all time idol. So the fact that we got her all time idol, mind you, the only reason I got Catherine McCormick other than knowing her, her husband to be on the film is because at this time also Emma was addicted to this movie called step up. I mean, she probably watched it twice a day. So the fact I got Catherine, the girl that's in this movie to be in this film, like blew her mind. So I think she could see that I was trying at that point, meaning like I was trying my hardest to, Hey, this is how I communicate. Like, I understand that I'm not your real dad. I get it. I'm not trying to be your real dad. I've never said I was your real dad and I'm never, I will never take the place of him. As a matter of fact, I make it a point to always at every chance I get, even till, even till today, I want to bring up their real dad. I want to talk about him. I want to show him pictures, tell stories. Um, but with, with Emma and just like with the rest of the kids, after doing that and after that process and after she saw like the time and effort that I was putting in, um, it was the guards kind of got let down a little bit. So they stopped testing me so much and they started allowing me to be a part of their little world, their little crazy world. And then once I got to that point, I knew, okay, cool, I'm in. But now I can't just automatically dive in, which is where a lot of stepdads make mistakes. They make mistakes because they become the yes man. Or they become the, you know, the, the, the dad that just does everything. Um, but I knew it was my time to just, okay, now let's get to know the kids, like who they really are, not just who they are in the house. And that's really how the relationships with all of them, especially Emma, began to go further and for further. So you know, little things like paying attention to the type of music they like, to... Um, the movies that they were into, the foods that they like. And then the most important thing I did, most important thing I did was I read the five love languages, hands down. Most important thing I did, probably the most, that if if there was a Bible for a step-parent, it would be that book. I honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen, there's the five love languages for step-families? I have not, no. I mean, I've only read the ones for kids and for my wife and I. Yeah. So Ron Deal is the author. So he worked with Gary, Gary Chapman mm-hmm. is the author, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they created the love languages for step families and uh, it's, it's a separate book. Yeah. It is so good. Uh, you should connect with, with Ron because he, uh, he does a great interview. Yeah, no, um, he's been in the membership. I did not know that. So thank you. For- yeah. That's I will awesome. connect you guys. Uh, yeah. It's so good. Now you were on your Instagram. I think you did an Instagram live and I would love to talk about the not chewing method because you did an interview, um, just about your thoughts on the not chewing method mm-hmm. for step parents, which for those who aren't familiar, and I have talked about it on the platform a couple of times, it is, it is basically kind of the premise that, you know, it's not, not your kids, not your responsibility. And, and to take that step back as a step parent and, you know, in the forums and in the literature for stepmoms, there's, well, and obviously stepdads too, there's a lot of advice to just not show. And I've obviously have my thoughts on it. Um, but I would love to dive into yours as well, because I think it is an interesting, um, 
it's just an interesting strategy. And I'm not sure it is in my mind, the best strategy. If you want to foster a healthy relationship and you want to grow together as a family. Right. Uh, so I'll try to keep it as clean as I can. Um, <laughs> I know I saw the live. I was not, like, Oh God. <laughs> I, think, I think nachoing is a coward's way out. I think whoever created nachoing created it because they needed to somehow justify everything that they were doing. More important, everything that they were not doing. There's a mistake that is made in blended families, which is um, they they compare or they try to yeah no they compare parenting and discipline and they're not the same. So when we talk about it in a conversation and we talk about parenting, for some reason people associate parenting and discipline at the same time, which is like there's a line drawn in the sand. And I do a lot I do an episode about the fact that there's no such thing as a line. Parenting is a 50-50 thing in your home, meaning like, let's say you have a bio parent. Let's say he lives down the street or she lives up the block and you're definitely not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm not, I would never tell you to do that. But what I would tell you is this, within the, within the four walls of your home, your job is to raise young adults to be productive, to be valued, to have goals to do everything that you could possibly do to make sure that once they leave the house, that they, that they have a good life. And that is called parenting, no matter which way you slice that pie. So when you throw in nacho, which is not my kids, not my problem. Imagine if I told you, okay, cool. Then nacho your relationship with your wife as well. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I know that sounds stupid, but just take, don't take that same method of, of, taking no real responsibility for actions, reactions, um, not just disciplining, but like parenting, because you know, you, you really, you're kind of saying to the kids, I don't really want anything to do with you. And we have to remember too, kids, listen, kids are smart. Kids are jerks for sure. Meaning like they're going to test you and they're going to push your limits. And they, I mean, they, they, they want to see, can, are they going to break? And some kids are worse than others. But when you throw the nachoing in there, you're basically saying to yourself, I am only going to give you 50% of my energy, my time, my love, and my value. And you, there's nothing you can do about it because I'm buying into the nacho method. And that is coward's way out. It's just cowardly. Like if you're going to raise them, yeah. raise them. If they're going to be in your home, raise them. Raise them with values and, yeah. and love and support and listening and communication. And oh, um, another thing, and being like a being dominant as far as like being dominant means that they can look at you and they can understand that they can depend on you. You're going to show up. A nachoing parent doesn't show up. A nachoing parent shows up when they need to. And again, oh, again, so the military part of me just, just, I mean, the, the moment I heard about that, I wanted to immediately contact whoever created that information <clears throat> and ask them to run it. Yeah. And Here's the thing. I think it gets misconstrued a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone's looking for this equation, right? Like, how do you do this? What do I need to do to do this well? And I think there's a difference between taking a step back, focusing on your relationship, listening, you know, taking your time instead of like going all in at the very beginning and like coming in like this drill sergeant, kind of like how you were talking about, right? Like you do have to take your time and not chewing. And I think sometimes that's where it gets so confusing for people. And it's like, <clears throat> sometimes you take a step back and let your partner, their, their biological parent, take the lead mm -hmm. because that's what's better for your relationship in the long run. I agree. 
right? But that doesn't mean you're not showing. Right. And I think, especially, you know, if kids were to hear the word nacho, like not, not your kid, I think it's hurtful. Agreed. Like, I think that's hurtful for the kid Agreed. and it makes them feel like almost an obligation. Right. Like you're a burden almost. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I think that, okay. So when I, when I, when I decided to talk about the step, my stepdad journey and what it meant to be a stepdad. You see, the, the objective of my show and my information and what I put out and why I want to speak on stages and talk in front of men and all this other fun stuff is because I fully believe that um, there's, there is a three-step process to what we do here. And you said it, you, you hinted on it a second ago. And what I coined it as, is, I, I coined it as the me, us, them method. Meaning when you come into your family, the first thing you need to do is work on yourself. Meaning you can't bring the old you into this new relationship, into this new family, into this new adventure. The old you has to die. And the only way the old you can die is if you work on the old you. You have to, you have to set a new set of standards. You've got to develop a new set of standards for not only yourself, but for the parent and the leader that you want to be. And then I believe that you work on us, meaning you and your partner. Um, you got to work on... There, you know how many relationships I know, not just blended families, but relationships I know where the partners have never sat down and set goals for their relationship, <laughs> like ever. It's kind of like they just mm-hmm. aimlessly drift through life. It doesn't make sense to me. And so mm-hmm. the whole us method was was really focused on, okay, my wife and I, one day when I decided, okay, I'm going to, let's do me, us, them. So I've already been working on me for a long time. And I'm still, every single day I work on me. But the us was like, okay, now how do I get my wife on board with what I'm not only trying to do, but how do we get on a, on a, on a level playing field so when the kids see us, they don't see, that's my mom, that's my stepdad. You know, she does 70% of the work, he does 30% or whatever the math is. It's a 50-50 team that's attacking and creating and developing everything within the home. 50-50, it's a split right down the middle. That's called parenting, right? So I took my wife and I took her to a hotel for one night. We grabbed this big, these, I have them over there, these big post-it whiteboards. And for an entire night, yeah. entire night, all we did was just write down our goals for ourselves, what we want to accomplish spiritually, mentally, everything. And then we wrote down, okay, now what do we want to do with each other? Like, like how do we want to like build our relationship? Like, what can we do better? How can I be better? You know, this is totally open here. Like, what am I not doing to fill you know, fill any void that you believe that there is. What are you not doing for me? Except, you know, vice versa. Um, and then what we did was, is we wrote these, th- these goals for the year in three big, three big blocks. And we put one for ourselves, the family, and then how we wanted to kind of like what we wanted to do with our careers or our dreams. And then we signed them and we put them up on a wall in our house. And then we held each other accountable all year long. Right, because we want to set goals, but more important, when we did this, the kids were like, "Well, what is this?" And then we tell them, and then we're hoping that it, they catch on to what it means to build goals. And then that whole them, me, us, them. You notice how I put the kids last? See, look, if you're if you're working on yourself and you're bettering you, and you're working on your relationship and you're bettering us, the them will take care of itself. It will naturally work because the kids are smart; they're watching. They're seeing how you treat mom. They're seeing how you treat dad. They're seeing how the relationship is. They're seeing the 
the little idiosyncrasies within the home between the two, the two people. They're like, man, I want that. Or, you know, I would love to have that. And then when you get to the them, it really is the love language to the kids. Like, learn to communicate. Which love language are they? And then communicate that way. So when I got to that point, I took a, a simple calendar and Monday through Friday, and I wrote the kids' names and their love language. And on that day, I did their love language. So if one was active service, my daughter would come home and her bed would be made and her laundry would be done. Did I necessarily have the time to do it? No, that wasn't the point. The point is I wanted her to see, I, I see you. I know who you are, right? So, and you can't get there without when you're not showing. None of that would make sense. Totally. Now, one thing you said there is something I want to unpack because there's this big idea where people, and I'll get, I'll get DMs from stepmom saying, True or false, you know, your marriage comes first. Like my partner should choose me over the kids. Mm. And I think that's another area where it, putting yourself and your marriage first mm -hmm. gets a little misconstrued, right? right? So it's not about choosing one over the other and making one any less important right. in my mind. It's everything is important, but what's the first thing to fall off the list can be yourself, your self-care and your marriage. Mm -hmm when things get busy and then in that, it, you know, it affects how you show up for the kids. Right. So I think there's a lot of, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think there's a lot of, a lot of people who are just waiting for their partner to say, well, I will cancel plans with my, my kids because you know, you want a date night or like things like that. Right. And it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I would love to like talk about that a little bit. Cool. Well, I, I think from, I think the good part about this question is the fact that we can, we can answer it from both sides of the spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. I can tell you from me, um, I know that it's important for me to make sure that any free time I have throughout my day, I try to alleviate any of the pains and pressures that my wife will have because something that I didn't understand. And I, when I finally got it, it was like a huge wake up call. It was, I already thought I was doing a lot of work as the, as the, the leader of this, the dad in the house, whatever. Um, my wife blew me out of the water. I mean, I, when she goes out of town and then for the, the first time she went out of town and I had to do everything. I mean, I was like, <laughs> what, I mean, how is she doing this? And I gained some real perspective on that. But when it comes to, you know, I should come before the kids, uh, the relationship should come before the kids. I believe that if I'm doing the work, meaning on myself, and you're doing the proper work on yourself because we've talked about it and we've developed it and we've planned it. I believe that that conversation in itself is irrelevant because you know who I am. I know who you are. I know your goals. You know mine. We know our goals as a family. We know what we want to accomplish. And now our job is to balance. How do we balance? Great question. Why don't we every Sunday night before the week starts lay out the week? What do, what do we What's big this week? Well, what's small? What do you want to do this week? Do you have any big, you know, you have lunch with your friends. You want to go to the gym more? Like, tell me what you want to do. And then I'll tell you what I have to do. And then let's just balance it out. And then if we're communicating with each other properly, then we don't have to uh, sacrifice for one another. This isn't a sacrifice because sacrifice means that you're giving up something that you really want for something that somebody else needs to have. And instead of just saying, um, you know, every once in a while, like I love to play basketball, but every once in a while, my wife wants to go to a Pilates class in the morning and I have to be home. So be it. I'm not, I've made my peace with that. 
and I love basketball. Like that's my, that's my vice, my, my anchor. So when it comes to the relationships with the stepmom sending me these questions, like, you know, I don't, you think that the relationship should come before the kids? I believe that they're one in the same. I mean, it's so, it's such a mixture and the mixture can only be right. If you're, it's like making a cake, I guess, or making any sort of uh, pastry. If you put in, if you put in just, if you put in the wrong, if I put in salt instead of sugar, it doesn't work. If I put in, you know, egg whites instead of eggs, it doesn't work. And I can't just continue to screw up the, 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 the recipe. I eventually would have to take a step back and go, all right, what's not working? Where am I coming wrong here? How do I fix this? Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Now let's move forward together. With the, with making your peace in the back of your mind, hey, honey, I'm going to probably screw up and make mistakes. My fault. Let me, let me get this out of the way now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget. I'm going to forget. You always tell me to put stuff in my calendar. I always say I'm going to do it, and then I don't do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these. Little, That's my husband. Yeah. Well, it's, and then, you know, my intentions are there. My intentions are there, and and sometimes, sometimes I am um, not. Sometimes I, I mess up on that a lot, and it's not intentional. Yeah. Like I don't do it out of spite, or I just do it out of the fact that she is much better at organizing than I am. But I'm also better at time management, and so. We do our best. And the cool here, let me let me just hit on this real quick. She's way better at organizing than I am. I'm much better at time management than she is. And for the longest time, we we fought about that. Like, why don't you write this down? Put it in your calendar. Why are you forgetting this? I'm like, why do you think showing up on time is on time? You gotta be 10, 15 minutes. Like, this is where we were. When we finally talked about it, we were like, instead of pointing it out every two seconds, why don't we just help each other? Like, why don't I make a phone call to you or send you a text and, hey, honey, don't forget, show up on this time. She'll send me a text message or write something on my desk saying, put this in your calendar. Or, hey, I put this in your calendar for you. I don't know. It's real simple when you can just get on the same page. Being on the same page is a beautiful thing. It is a very beautiful thing. Now, I would love to dive into stepdad struggles because I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't think stepdads had a lot of struggles Mm. because in my mind, I was like, well, dad comes in, takes on this woman with all these kids. What a hero. Like, I feel like in society, stepdads are viewed as, you know, how great for him to take this on. Um, I know. So that's my perception, which I think is so interesting yeah. because um, some people don't realize how, you know, hard being a stepmom can be. And you don't know until you're in it, right? right. Um, but I remember even it was like this beer commercial on father's day and it was about celebrating all dads. And it was like the stepdad and it was this like storyline around mm-hmm. it. And all the stepmoms were like, what? This is such crap because stepmoms are never talked about on stepmom, mm-hmm. like on mother's day. In fact, all of a sudden someone kind of made up this like other, there's like stepmother's day. It was like the week after. And it was just this, like, why can't all motherly figures just be celebrated? Anyway, different podcasts for a different day. <laughs> so I thought that I thought that stepdads just kind of were like these heroes and there wasn't the stigma and there wasn't the struggles. So obviously, like I was super uneducated on that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm feeling that way in this space, I know that other people are right. as well. So give it to okay, me. Okay. So I would like to say that there are a lot of instances where there are men that step into families and immediately they're the hero that saved the day. 
right? Let's just say you had an abusive husband or you had a really crappy relationship and somebody came in, took on the kids, fell in love with them. They immediately started calling them dad and away they went. There are definitely those cases out there and I definitely do not want to um, just dismiss them as they're, you know, or that, that there's some sort of like, doesn't really happen because it does. I do know this for stepdads in general. The reason I use the phrase changing the narrative around what it means to be a stepdad is because there is more stigma and more, um, how do I say this? There, there are more ways of, of looking at a stepdad from a point of view, like I said earlier, from like Hollywood and books and stuff, which is somebody that's an alcoholic, somebody that's abusive. And here's the big one. And this is something that I had to deal with in mine. Uh, uh, my wife's mom being sexually abused by all the stepdads in her life. So when I came into my family, I have four girls. Now, my wife and I have known each other since we were, you know, tiny. I've known her mom since I was tiny. And that didn't matter. The moment you labeled me, the moment I went from Franco that lived down the street to stepdad, immediately it was all of her past scenarios that she ran into just kind of overwhelmed her. And I was scrutinized and looked at and watched over and hut and everything because she thought I was going to somewhat like do something to the girls. Right. So when I say this, I say this to you because like I had great, my intentions were pure. I fell in love with mom. Like I tell the kids this all the time. They're like, why did you stay? Because I fell in love with mom. Like I love kids. I love you. And I, and I'm here for you, but I'm, this is my, this is my queen here. This is, I'm here for her. I'm here for our relationship <clears throat> and I'm here to make sure that I do everything in, in my power to make sure we all like, are in harmony and work together. But as stepdads, we have this, like, we've got to, we, we immediately have to get past the first, they don't want me here. Even though if you step in, you could step in. If bio dad's down the street, you know how many dads I know that are messages that I get where bio dad is literally doing anything and everything to undermine the progression that they make simply because and I did, just did an episode on this simply because hurt people will hurt people. And until they work on themselves, that won't change. And what we do as men is we want to fight against it and we want to argue against it. When in reality, we know we can't change it. And when you make your peace with that, you can move forward. So I believe what you said, I think stats, men that are there, women that are there should be celebrated for that because they're there. There are there, what's never, what's never talked about is the bio parent that is never there, that is not there for them, right? That's never talked about. It's immediate. It's just, once you get labeled step or bonus or whatever other name you want to put on this, um, immediately comes the, the labels, like for me, which was, you know, abuser. Mine, mine was the abuser, the abuser timeline. And then from the dad, Chris, that died, their side of the family was, um, so their dad was a very successful dentist. I wasn't, I had just gotten out of the army. So I'm just start trying to start my life at 31. So I immediately wasn't good enough for them. You know, he's clean cut. I've got tattoos. I'm from, you know, it's like I had a fight against that. Now I say this because there are many men out there that won't even take it, won't take it any further than like a relationship for a little bit. And then when it starts to get serious, they leave, you know, there are not enough men out there that are willing to go all in on this. 
simply because they believe from what they've been taught and what people tell them, what their friends say, what their parents say, they believe that they are in for way more struggles and pain than they ever are going to be with the pleasure, you know? And that, again, that has nothing to do with you or I, it has everything to do with all the information that we receive from the outside. So for the step moms that, you know, that, that made a step mom daddy and know about this, um, I, I, I would celebrate Mother's Day for them. I would celebrate Father's Day for the stepfathers, you know, because yeah, step and bonus are just words. You know, bio, bio is just a word. The difference between me and actual dad is the fact that there's DNA. That's really, that's it. I can parent the same way. I can be there the same way. I can show up the same way. I can love the same way. I can discipline the same way. As long as I'm in, I've got to go all in. There are way too many stepdads that will begin their journey really like happy, like they're ready to go. They got this vision, like, okay, I know what I want this family to be. But subconsciously, their right foot is out the back door. And they're holding that door open because it's like a safety net for them just in case this doesn't work out. I can dip out. Because remember, these aren't my kids. I can get out of here. But you realize the pain and suffering that that causes? Like, we got to stop. I, let's, let's go back to the nachoing real quick. Nachoing encourages one foot out the door. Nachoing encourages, encourages leaving in the middle of the night with no, with no letter or reason or explanation because you don't care enough to care enough. And I think it's about putting in the work too, right? Mm. Like you really, like this doesn't happen overnight and I don't want people to listen to this and be like, okay, well, I am a parent. I need to be, I'm going all in. No, there's like so much work that comes with creating the bond and, Mm. you know, the love and the mutual Mm. respect with your stepkids. And it doesn't just happen when you get married. Right. Like you're not all of a sudden going to function like a first family and you may never function like a first family, but you got to do what works right for you. What about the payoffs too? Because you said it right now, you know, this takes work. This takes time. My oldest daughter Mm -hmm. who just got here last night with her husband. I never got a thank you for anything. I never got a, I mean, she was the hardest because she was the closest to her dad, which means she did not want me there. Matter of fact, Mm -hmm. first time I ever had a real conversation with her, she looked me dead in the eyes and said, when are you leaving? Like, <laughs> it was real serious. Like she is strong, mind, you know, strong willed. I didn't, it wasn't until she graduated high school that I finally got a letter that I keep on. I think it's in my, in my desk area over there. It's a letter of finally, I finally got the thank you. And for stepdads out there listening and, and stepmoms, this was nine years later. What I did was smart. I didn't expect anything. Mm-hmm. I, I just welcomed it when it showed up on a random Tuesday. That's that's where that's how you have to get past. You gotta stop looking for the attaboys and the and the and the trophies and the and the great jobs and we're so happy for you. You gotta stop looking for that. You gotta if you don't expect it when it comes, it's so much better. Yeah. For sure. I'm 10 years in now and I'm like looking back, it's all the hard work, the long game perspective. Mm-hmm. It, it pays off so much when they become adults, right? And they're looking back from that perspective because to expect like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old to like express this gratitude for this 
new parents that's come into there. Like it's just such an unrealistic expectation. And like, we're all like, if you're, if you're in step parenting because you want to parade, you're going to be like sadly disappointed (laughs) with your life. Right. Like there is no parade for the step parents. Not one. Not one. Yeah. At all. And, uh, that's awesome. There's no prey for the step parents. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's nothing. Now, one thing I want to dive into before we wrap things up sure. is something you say in your content and you say, like, as the stepdad, you are the mentor, leader, father. Mm. And I love that so much. And I don't know if this was your intention in creating that kind of like those three words together. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, you are a mentor and maybe you're not seen as a, a father. You're, you're, maybe you're just a mentor mm-hmm. at this point, or you are still a leader. Like you're, they're still looking at you in some capacity as that relationship evolves. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, that's what I saw. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about what inspired that? Uh, so when, when I said it, I just, I said it because I was thinking about my journey. Um, I definitely, there was no intention. Like I, I didn't kind of plan it. I can say that when I, when I talk about being a mentor or leader and a father, when I say the phrase father, um, I mean, everything, everything that encompasses that word, what it means to be a father, what it means to be, I think a father is a mentor, is a leader. I think a mother is a, the mentor is a leader. I believe that those three words go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. I think they all mix together. Well, I think if you're lacking at one, you're going to lack on the others. And, um, and if we can, as step parents, if we can go into our journeys, whether you're a rookie or you're a pro, um, if you can go into it, understanding that, that, that concept, right. Which is, this is what your objective should be. Don't try to win everybody over. Don't try to solve everyone's problems. Like I said before, don't try to be the person that they're not looking for. Don't lose yourself. That's really important. Don't lose yourself. Don't lose who you are, what makes you special, right? Because they can definitely benefit from that. And, um, but being a a good mentor is somebody that, I mean, you know, as well as I do, I've mentored people before. And I know the, 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 the number one thing you do as a mentor is you don't give information, you listen. That's what mentors are supposed to do. Mentors are supposed to listen to what's going on so that they can give the proper information. Now, being a leader is somebody that will, you know, walk into the fire to save the dog because that's their job, right? That's what leaders do. That's what leaders are the first to arrive and the last to leave always. And I believe that showing and, and representing that in our families and then showing it to our children is smart because we want our kids to be leaders. Does that mean they need to lead? No, that is not what that means. Being a leader doesn't mean you lead. Being a leader means that you embody that feeling of what it means to be on time, to show up, to be accountable, to be a man of your word, to, you know, all these things that, that that's what leaders are. Sometimes leaders have to follow, right? And then, like I said, a father is just, it's that person that will be honest with you no matter what, mm-hmm. because it's what's best for you. That's what being a father is. And it goes back to what you're saying, how, you know, parenting isn't just discipline. <laughs> it, it, no, I mean, and I think you do that right. As we go through this conversation, I think that's where a lot of people are going wrong. Yeah. They're thinking that like showing up as a stepdad or a stepmom 
they're like, oh, well, I get to discipline. And it's actually not Mm -mm. like, why? What about the opposite side of that? Ready? Watch this. Um, This is what I was told. I came into the family, you know, this and that. And I think I would have to walk on eggshells around my wife's mom and my wife's grandmother. And then the other side of the family, when it came to even going in infliction in my voice, because immediately when I would, an infliction would remember, I'm from the military. So I have like a powerful, engaging voice. And my talking with purpose is not yelling. It's just, they're different. And I would, you, no, Frank, Franco, you don't do that. And this is not even from my wife, by the way. This is from them. I call them the others, right? <laughs> right. I get from the others, the looks, the glares, the mm-mms, the uh-uhs, the, the messages, the texts, the emails, the phone calls. I don't, we really didn't like how you handled this. That's what I mean by that. This is what the little things that happen behind the doors when it comes to being a parent, right? The good news is, is that I didn't give up what they thought at all. I didn't care. All I cared about is what my wife thought. Honey, do you think that I'm doing this the correct way? Yes. Okay. Do I need to scale back? Do I need to come up? Like, what do I need to do? But that's because we agreed 50-50. Remember, I've never hit my kids. I've never disciplined my kids. And when it comes to like how I was disciplined, I don't know how you were disciplined, but I... I've had a lot of bloody legs. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of bloody legs in my life. I don't. I don't have yeah. a lot of best friends that are that are uh, switches outside on a tree. But I will one hundred percent when it comes to discipline. It has nothing to do with anger or frustration. It has everything to do with accountability. You screw up here, you get that taken away there. Now, my mistake for the first five six years was I didn't understand the love languages. So my child that is a quality time, let's say, and I send them to their room, that's detrimental. I can't do that. I can't, it just doesn't work, right? I've got to be able to discipline them in the way that they're going to understand because I understand who they are through communication, right? So um, that's, that's kind of how I continue to go through and learning from, you know, in this journey, my son being 13, I'm, I'm coming up, with, I'm, I'm dealing with new things now. Mm-hmm, Cause it's a boy, right? Cause you had the, the teenagers are all girls and now you're going into teenager we're with a boy. Respect. It's different. Yeah. We're in the respect zone. You know, he's got four sisters, so he doesn't really have a lot of people to roughhouse with. He doesn't have a lot of people. Yeah. Now my daughter, Claire, who's my middle child, she is going to be like the equal to him as far as roughhousing goes. But every once in a while, he wants to be a boy. What do boys do? They lash out. They want to punch. They want to hit. And I need to, I, it's like a fun balance for me because yes, they're having fun, but I also have to teach him in that moment. You got to respect women. We don't hit. You, know, you want to fight, go ahead and fight. But you, you got to remember like there's limits, there's boundaries, like kind of stuff like that, you know, but you learn that through the process, through the days. Like you said, you're 10 years in, right? Yeah. Okay. So when, when you got married, so you're 10 years in from marriage or from start point? From start. So we've been married for nine and a half years. Oh, so nine and a half years. So the half year that you weren't married, but you were engaged or together, right? Again, I told you before, I love basketball. My son is a basketball player. Um, I refer to that as like your, your draft years. This is, where you, this is where you're being looked at. This is where you're being labeled and they're checking your stats and they're making sure you're ready to go. And they're making sure that you're going to be, you know, we want you on our franchise. Then you get drafted. And now you're in your rookie season. I call that between year zero, which is again, when you get married, year zero and year like two and a half, three is your rookie season. Then you go into your sophomore season, 
then you start to become a little bit of a veteran, right? Yeah. And then Bob Proctor once told me that the best thing in the world to watch is a professional at, at work, a true pro at work. And so that's why I called the show The Professional Stepdad, because that's where I want to see. I want people, I want dads, men, even, and women, it doesn't matter. I want them to strive to get to the level of professionalism in this journey and understand that you have to start here to get there. You should strive to become a pro because a pro at work is a beautiful thing to watch. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is so good. Thank you so much for taking this time. We're going to have to have you back. Okay, I could you. talk I to you, you on. all day long. So where can everyone find you? Okay. So um, I have a website, theprofessionalsetdad.com. Um, you can go there. If, if men, I, I encourage men that are afraid to outwardly speak and ask for help. This is where you can go and leave a, leave a comment um, in our connection section. I call it connect with us where you can just send us a message and we'll, we'll get back to you. I like to make episodes for the Q and A's on these questions. I don't necessarily use their names, but the information it's my, it's my job to deliver the information. It's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, these are the platforms that we're on, but mostly on YouTube. This is uh, I'm, I'm beginning to develop and build the YouTube page more because um, the, the way the platform delivers information, I believe that's powerful and, and, and it's almost like an education. And you know this as well as I do. It's an education for mm-hmm. people to find your work. So all the because yeah, people are searching, right? That's what that's where I get most of my most of my followers. It's like people are searching on Google. They're like, "How to be a good stepmom? When should I meet the kids?" <laughs> like all these questions are like, I don't know you know, you agree with me on that? But like the way we deliver information, I believe this is fun. I believe it's, it's an excitement. It's a lot of work, like you said, to build a podcast and to build a show to have a platform and to get all. It's a lot of work. I believe that the only way we're really going to truly be effective in this is if our followers and our listeners invite us to their towns, gather the people around them and allow us to not only sit on stage and not give some sort of a seminar. I want to, I want to sit on stage and I want to allow them to just ask us questions and deliver this information in real time. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that question won't be asked by 80% because they're too afraid to get, you know, of what we might say or what they might say, but it being in real time, that's how you can really make real change. And so that's the objective. That's the goal. Yeah. I love it. Well, you, you put on a, put on a conference or a thing. I will come. Oh, I definitely <laughs> invite you. That's, that's, that's in the works. It's in my head. It's in the works. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Listen, if you know a stepdad who is in need of any of this information, do me a favor right now. Hit that subscribe button and share this episode with them as fast as possible. Did you do it? You, okay, you did it. Quiet on the set, please. Thank you, everybody.